listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. We're struggling, Kirk. Are we, though? I think we're struggling a little bit. Life's handing us lemons right now. Well, you're on vacation, so there's no such thing as lemons. Is there? (sighs) Can I just be negative and rant and vent for a little bit? I like it when you rant, so I would prefer it, actually. I guess it's less of a rant. It's going to be a pity party. That's what it's going to be. Those are fun too. Yeah, let's uh, let's go for it. So I'm going to pick up one day before we talked. I get down here. I go for a run. I'm pumped about the mountains. I jump in the pool after my run. I get out. I'm in the pool for two minutes or less, just rinsing off the salt. I look down at my my Forerunner 735X, the triathlon version of their watch, and the screen is just pixelated and a, a, a jumbled mess. There's been some water ingress somewhere, which has never happened in the history of this watch, and it doesn't work. I leave it out. I let it dry off in the sun. I charge it. I turn it on. Nothing. So I go out immediately, find on Facebook Marketplace the closest watch to me, and it's a Garmin Fenix. Phoenix. It's spelled Fenix, but we all say Phoenix. I'm sure it's Phoenix. And I'd like to say Phoenix. I say Phoenix too, but it, phonetically, it absolutely is Phoenix. Correct. Yeah. So it pulls me from the ashes. I now have a watch in hand. A women's Phoenix. A women's watch. It's just yeah, clarify. it's a women's, but you it's were the desperate. same. Yeah. It's the same guts of the watch. I go for a run. It's fantastic. It's telling me my, my elevation in real time. It's got all these fancy modes that my forerunner never did. I come home. I jump in the pool. I get out, the watch face is pixelated and a jumbled mess. Mm. It lasted one run. This is their $700 watch that you get if you don't want anything to ever go wrong with it. (laughs) We're supposed to be doing Grand Canyon the next morning. I now don't have a watch again. Talk about frustrating. So what do you do in that situation? You've got $1,000 worth of dead watch on your hand. I think that you look in the mirror and say, what have I done to deserve this? What wrongs are trying to be righted by the universe? Because it's shitting on me right now. And then you take a hard look at all the bad, dirty things you've done in the dark. You say, oh, that's why. I refuse to look at the things (laughs) I've done in the dark, Kirk. (laughs) So you can't even put that together, huh? You didn't even deserve this. The universe just chose to take a big dump on you and your watches, huh? What are the odds of two high-end watches having water ingress issues on back-to-back days? Watches that are supposed to be um, able to handle that. With this Phoenix, I literally, quite literally, jumped into the pool, rubbed my hand across my head, got all the, the salt built up out of my face, out of my eyes, and climbed out of the pool. I didn't jump from a high dive. I just stepped in off the edge. I have the Phoenix 6. You had the 6, right? That's what you bought? 
Yes. The Phoenix Six. Yeah, yes. and I mean, I've swam in my lake in it dozens of times. I've showered with it after every single run, and it's working perfectly fine. In fact, in my forerunner before that, my 935, I did the same thing. Never had a single issue till I lost it in the woods. So I don't know. 735X is the triathlon bundle. Meant for it's water. It's designed for swimming. I just, I'm cursed by the watch gods right now. So I call up John Yatsko. All right, let's plan out what time are we leaving tomorrow morning. And we figure out we have a schedule issue. In my mind, you drop into the canyon at sunrise. In his mind, he's had a busy week of work, and the way his schedule is set up, he wants to wake up at sunrise and get on the road, which is a four-hour drive there, four-hour drive back, minimum four hours there. If we have no nonsense time, which there's always nonsense time, if I don't crumble in the canyon, it's a 12-hour round trip, which means I leave the house at... 6, I get home at 6 p.m., best case scenario, on a family vacation. Plus, we had people coming in from the airport that day. I can't do that. So we're trying to find out a time we can make it work. We can't do it. So we decide we are not doing the canyon today. Instead, we're going to do it Monday or Tuesday. Still listening. So I go off and I just I do a 90-minute run in the mountains with my phone as the tracker because I don't have a watch. I get back. I decide to go swimming. Why not fully swim now? I don't have a watch to ruin. Decide to race my my niece, Amelia, underwater. Down. See, you can go all the way down, all the way back in the pool. Mm-hmm. So I, we, we get in. I take my deep breaths, and we go. I launch off the side. We're neck and neck. I get to the turnaround. I turn, see the wall, decide to explosively launch off the wall with my feet. Unbeknownst to me, there's a two-foot ledge underwater. So as I turn and kick, and I'm pushing off with all my force, my toenail just catches the top of the ledge. And everything moves but the tip of my toe. (laughs) Instantly, I know it's not great. So I have a gash in my toe. Half of my toenail has been peeled back. And then the other toe next to it is cut too. So I immediately get out of the water, put something, wrap it around my toes to stop the bleeding, and just wait there for a while so I can see what the damage is. My toenail now is black and blue. Half of it, it's still all on because it's too painful to take off, but half of it's not attached under there. It just has like this floating thing. I can't descend 5,000 feet on that toe right now. Now we're not doing the Grand Canyon at all. (laughs) I don't even know what to tell you, Brack, and I didn't know any of this. Um, your name today is cursed on our little chat. I think you're right. I also think that if if you follow the rule of bad things come in threes, I don't know if two watches count as two separate incidences or just one, but maybe it's out of the way now. Well, Mira has a an ear infection and possibly a respiratory infection. And Ayla, I forgot what they even diagnosed her with. We spent the day at walk-in urgent care because both kids were struggle busing so hard. And then the pharmacy couldn't fill the, the prescription for a day and a half. So we're sitting down here with sick kids. I can't run mountains. I don't have any watches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my mic set up. It's just, it's a, the vacation itself is very fine. But the one personal piece that I wanted out of it, I'm getting hosed on, Kirk. Do you need my shoulder? The Grand Canyon's close enough I can taste it, and I can't go do it. 
Wow. What is, uh, what is the toe situation as of today? I've run on it the last two days. I, I, I wrap a, a Band-Aid around it to keep the nail down, and then I wrap tape, some Luca tape around that to keep everything situated. And I've been going 40 minutes, 45, and then it just like pulses and throbs the rest of the day. I just can't guarantee I could do a vertical mile of descending. And then the hard part is actually... Downhill is not terrible if I'm not slapping the ground and if I don't hit a rock. Uphill, you have to push off your toes. And that's yeah. the part that like it compresses each time. So could I do it? Yeah, but it's going to be six straight miles of climbing out. I just I don't want to do that to John. So you're for sure not going to be able to go do it? and you're... We're just not doing the canyon. Uh, I understand why you'd be disappointed. That is a bummer, man. Do you remember? This reminds me of... You know, I really do think you do some bad things in the dark. I think this is what it's coming around to because you don't, you don't know. I know as well as anybody. I feel like there was a stadium race a few years ago where you showed up and you were going to do a shakeout run with Robert Killian the night before mm-hmm. a race. You finally had gotten some momentum back with your health and your training, and you met him in the parking lot of a hotel and. I believe this was like kind of like, hey, I'm ready to go be Bracken Cracker again. So I should start saying Crocker, by the way, because people don't know what your last name is. I'm ready to be Bracken Crocker again. And you sprain your ankle on the curb before you even start running or something like that? What was the deal? Rolled it right off the edge of the curb. Couldn't race the next. Right. And I feel like these things don't happen to good people. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think that's where you were going with this. I want to confirm that I'm not snake bit. I am not to this person 24 seven. These are two outlying incidents. That one was a frustrating one because I had, I had won that city field race early that year. And then in Mm -hmm. Minnesota with you guys, I had shown strong fitness for a while in that race. And then had, we, we were, uh, we went off course, but so I was ready to, you know, get right back on track. So who knows? May. I, I wonder if I look back, if I am this person, but I really don't think I am. I don't think you are either. If you put yourself in enough physical situations, eventually you get hurt. I agree with you. I think, you know, if anything else, Bracken, you're in a nice, warm, dry climate. It is cold and bullshit here back in the Midwest. It has been in the single digits and teens with 20, 30 mile an hour winds. As I look out my window, the wind's whipping. It's like 20 degrees out. It's absolutely disgusting. Listen, your glass is still half full. You're in the warm, sunny Arizona desert. You go, and if it's flat tempos or it's whatever, at least you got sunshine on your skin and warm weather because it is nasty here. So I think, yeah, you can still make lemonade out of those lemons, I think. It's not all doom and gloom. I saw a pack of javelinas on a run the other day. Okay. Saw a a wild donkey in the mountains. Burro. A burro. Burro. Seen a lot of a lot of lizards. It's been it's been good. Look at all those wonderful things in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. That's three really good donkeys things that and lizards this week. <laughs> and javelinas. Pigs. Yeah. Yeah. But all but right. your screen name says bugs, which is almost never good. Well, it says f bugs. It does. I think you did enough, uh, you know, woe is me for the both of us, and I would have done the same in your situation. But I will talk about. How much I hate box elder bugs, which has been a nightmare. You have an infestation? Oh, it's not. I can't even describe it. So 
What we did is we knocked out a wall in the bedroom when I moved into this house last summer and we put in a patio door. There was one tiny like two foot by two foot window in the bedroom and it didn't suffice. You don't want to live in a jail cell. You want to live in something with some sunlight. So we put a big, giant, oversized patio door to fit one of the walls. It's fantastic. Brighten the room right up. But apparently when that was done, there clearly are some spaces in and around that window, that patio door that I was not aware of until the weather started warming up this spring. And it is a south-facing wall. So it's kind of blocked by the wind, the sun hits it, and we must have a box elder tree. I don't know where, but somewhere within a few, I don't know, dozen feet of my house. And you can barely see the side of my house because it is covered in thousands of box elder bugs. And they have found a way to make their way into my house. And it's the bedroom. So... Each day I kill about 100 or so of them. I don't know exactly how they're getting in. And have you ever woken up with a box elder bug crawling on your face? Or go to grab your water bottle and you feel the crunch in between your hand and the water bottle in the middle of the night because there's a box elder bug in between? They've been ruining my life. I have a roll of toilet paper in the bedroom, and every 20 minutes I go in there, do a search, kill as many as I can find, and then go back about my business. It has consumed hours of my time this last week, I would say. And the one room in the house where you don't want them. I could live with them in the living room. I could live with them in the kitchen. It's my bedroom that faces the south with the cracks. And there's nothing worse than sleeping and knowing that there's shit crawling all around you. That's the stuff nightmares are made out of. Oh, it's so nasty. My house is nice. We upgraded everything. It's the perfect log cabin I've always wanted. And we got bugs. It's stupid, Bracken. Anyways, that's all. That's why my F-Bugs screen name is what it is. I think today. we need a vacation. Okay. You and I. I'll take one with you. All right. Just you and I. Just you and I. Don't you go getting hurt on day one. Listen, I am I'm resilient. Mm. You're still smiling. Yeah, life's good. Life is good. These are such first world problems. Actually, Bugs is probably <laughs> descends the world's. Here's what I will say. Yesterday I was I was sitting here frustrated at the canyon thinking, you know what I didn't think about once this week? Was this nerve issue maybe holding me back from running the Grand Canyon? Mm. Because a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it wouldn't even have been an option to run the Grand Canyon. 5,000 feet of drop with this nerve issue going on. I haven't had it. I haven't thought about my nerve problem on one single step of running for a week straight now good and it's one of those things where the every single second you're injured all you can think about is how nice it would be to be able to just move without thinking about it and suddenly you haven't been thinking about it for a bit and you forget that and then you realize it and it's just this big warm fuzzy feeling i've got that going where all right even if there's a little bit of nonsense going on i can use my body how i want to again there's this big dolphin out by the pool that they didn't want there. This big concrete dolphin sculpture. And it's really awkward and heavy, and we wanted to move it yesterday. And just, just for fun, I wanted to see if I could crouch down, wrap my arms around it like a strongman stone, and just see if I could pick it up. And I just strained against that thing and moved it like a half inch off the ground. I was like, oh, I, could bear, I couldn't even move that thing. And I thought, that would have just sent me into a spasm two weeks ago. That's cool that I even had the option to try. I agree. That, that's my silver lining right now. My nerve, post-COVID nerve thing, whatever's going on, is greatly improved. 
put those rose tinted glasses on, Bracken. They're they on. look good on you. I, uh, I have one update quick, and then we'll uh, and then we should get into our episode. But I, I signed up for another race in a week and a half. I decided to jump into the Zumbro Trail Race again, which is a good. 17 mile, but 2,500 feet of gain here on really like technical, wonderful trails in bluff country in Minnesota. And I won that race handily last year by like 11 minutes. I think I had the sixth fastest time all time, and it was on a really sloppy year. And I thought, you know what? It fits perfectly into my schedule between slow and big bear. It's the right spacing. It's the right stimulus even for big bear in a sense. I can justify it. And so the guy who took second last year, I just commented on his recent Strava and said, see you in, you know, Zumbro looking to taunt him a little bit. Cause I don't know, it's fun to do that, you know? And then he commented, ah, oh, good to see you're going watch out for Joshua Mirth. I think his name is or something. I was like, who's Joshua Mirth. So then I went down the rabbit hole and there's a kid who's back in town, lives in Rochester, Minnesota, which is close to the race. And so I'm really looking forward to this. He's not too far out of college. He had run 14, 13 and 29, 30. So for his 5k and 10k, a 24 0 guy in cross on the, on the 8k. And I get to go toe the line with, uh, with someone who's got some wheels. And so I am looking forward to putting my run fitness to the test without, you know, a spear throw getting in the way or a slippery Z wall somehow messing me up. So now I have this race in which I'm like trying to amp myself up for because I think I got a real, a real race on my hands and who knows who else will show up, but I just signed up yesterday. And then I also signed Jess up who hasn't run further than eight miles in the last half a year. And she got an email notification saying you're registered for a 17 mile trail race. (laughs) (laughs) She, she took it well. So those, that's my racing update right there. And that'll be next Saturday. It's like a week and a half from today. I have a few reactions to that. First of all, good. I'm glad you're doing that. Those are the kind of efforts that change you for the better. No matter what happens, it changes you for the better, even Mm -hmm. if it's just a small little change. So I'm glad you're doing that. Thanks. Second of all, 14, 13, 29, 30, those are fast times. But I always go to the cross time to check. And when you hear 24-0, that solidifies to me. That's like the binding agent between that 5K and 10K. It means they can run on terrain. Yeah. There are some 14-0, 14-teen guys who just can't run cross super well. They just got to be pancake flat and just turn over efficiently. I like the fact that this kid ran cross and was good at it. That's going to be well, a fun battle. I looked at his Strava, and he's running. I mean, half his runs say sloppy trails. He's doing the right thing on the right terrains. He's mid-20s, I think, his age, but um, he's getting vert. He's getting a few thousand feet a week. So, like, he's got the component, so I don't think yeah. it's going to be one where it doesn't show through. So, um, you know, if I go out there and battle and don't win, like, that's going to be great. I just want a good effort, and last year I ran away with it, and so this year um, I don't think that's going to be the case, so... Well, and what, do, what happens in our races now with OCR? We've got that young crop of runners. This, mm-hmm. is, this is set up just like how your next couple of races will be, where you have to go out and hang on to some young studs who just got out of college running fast and then hope that the wily old man can take over late. That's cool. Let's find out. Let's find out. All right. Final question, which is going to lead us right into that topic today, is it's a technical terrain, but it's also, what, 22 miles? No, 17. 17. 17 miles and can be sloppy. What are you going to do for footwear? Um, well, it would be, I've already decided, it's going to be the Scott Supertrack RC2. Okay. Because last year you wore the Evo Speed Goat, but that shoe is no more. 
It is no more. And I think if I could go back, I would wear something a little more aggressive because it was so soft that I could have gotten away with, you know, like a waffle, like sole glued to my foot and I would have been fine. You know, it was like one of those. This year looks like better, but um, I ran the Scott Super Track RCs for the first time in a few years uh, this last week and ordered a new pair. And man, that shoe is just, it can endure. It locks your foot in. It's got enough traction. And I don't think I've had a shoe in which I feel better descending in meaning it's locked and there's some really technical descents here where you're going to need to just put your cojones you know on if that's a thing and just go and that shoe will fit the bill so um so i think the scott super track rcs if they made an evo speed goat that i didn't i didn't completely blast and i had a new pair i'd consider it but i don't so i think scott super track rc2s brother okay yeah that's a good segue why don't you introduce what we're talking about we can talk all about shoes for the next 40 to 50 minutes Oh, oh man! It's a good thing this camera only shows my face. Love language, <laughs> inappropriate. Because my hands are sweating. Oh, your hands are sweating. Well, I'm all shaky and flustered over here. I made some comments about shoes in the last few episodes. Um, some positive, some negative. Some about VJ, some about races. But it prompted a bunch of questions coming my way. I don't know how many you got because of it, but I got many questions about, well, you said you wouldn't race in this shoe anymore. You said this shoe maybe is matched by shoes elsewhere, or you said there are different options out there. And it's just all the same variation of that question. What shoe would you recommend for X race or X distance or for X scenario? So let's just clear the water, clear the air, unmark the water, filter the water. Let's filter it out. Let's give people our guideline. You see, everyone has it out there. Seth James Damore has his shoe matrix, which I find unnecessarily complex, but I still go to it all the time because it's got a bunch of shoe information on it. So let's give our, these are our shoes that we would recommend for ourselves for every given race distance and terrain. And just one shoe episode where people can revert back to and hear the why, the what, and the how. And I want to preface the one little thing and then the floor is yours which is, this is our recommendation for our feet. You cannot choose a shoe based off what works for someone else, but the logic behind why we're going to pick each shoe for this is what you want to refer to. Obviously, the shoes we recommend we believe in, but if I say I'm going to choose the Scott Super Track RC2 for this course, it doesn't mean you should choose it, but you should listen to why I choose it and then use that same logic and apply it to what your feet like to decide what you would use for that course. So don't just blindly choose because we like it because our feet are finicky. But I would say that um, between you and I, we've experimented with as many shoe choices as probably anybody out there. So we do have some perspective that I think a lot of people listening don't. We've wasted, and I say wasted with, like that word was chosen on purpose, because I'd say half the shoes that I experiment with, I get a few runs out of and then they sit there because we just try so many. But yes, it is according to our feet and our own personal preferences, but I also think we've been through enough to have a good perspective. Between the two of us, we're well over $10,000 in shoes. At least. At least. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to think about. Embarrassing, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You you set this up and said, let me say something and then the floor is yours, but I would argue that the floor is going to be yours on the contraire. But I think we should start this thing with uh, let's start first of all race shoe or workout shoe i think we can cover both in the same token um with the given distances i think we should just try to do them both at the same time and i think we should start from short 
and like road or smooth terrain and then go like short and technical terrain da, 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 and then go up in distance and then address each terrain what do you think yeah let's go road let's go smooth trail technical trail and slop so we're gonna have four categories for each distance so for short i'm gonna say 5k or less yeah i think 5k or less very specific so there's gonna be a lot of recommendations so get the notepads out and and start taking notes because this is this is one you might have to refer back to for oh i have this 15k technical trail race coming up we're gonna fast forward to 46 minutes into this because that's when we talk about it okay so let's start with 5k and under and i would also argue then like the speed work that would go along with it and all of that stuff or whatever you want to race and typically we we train in our racing shoes once in a while for quality sessions to make sure the shoe works for our foot all that so let's start let's start roads flat where are you going with your brain right now? Basically, what I think we should look at this is if we have a race this weekend in what we're talking about, this is the shoe or the shoes we would consider put on our feet. That simple. As of today. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think the two absolute best fast road racing shoes are the Nike Vaporfly and the Asics Metaspeed Sky or Edge, depending on your foot preference. I think those are the two fastest shoes on the market um but that's life on the line i'm using those i'm i'm still not using those in regular road races so for me i am choosing either for 5k or less i am choosing either the sketchers gomeb speed 5 or 6 or i might still take the nike streak okay i i shouldn't even choose that because you can't yeah that's still that's still available nike streak those are my two Boom, go-tos. Perfect world. If there was no judgment, I'd be in either that A6 Metaspeed or the Nike Vaporfly. Uh, but the, the, the Nike Streak or the GoMab Speed 6 or 5 are the non-super shoe options that I just absolutely love on my feet. And the only other thing I would, I would uh, even consider for this distance uh, would be the, the brand new Adidas Takumi Sem, Takuni Sem eight that is there it's kind of plated but it's not really it's kind of super but it's not really it's a low stack height super shoe or i love the new balance rc elite but you can't get the one anymore so i I named off a lot of shoes but that's going to happen today no i'm not satisfied you got to pick one they're going on your feet on saturday i i secretly kind of want to keep the super shoes out of it only because I yeah. don't know why I want to. I just my my heart tells me that that clouds it because the super shoe is like the easy, not the easy, but I don't know. I just I'm still fuzzy about them. Um, what are you putting on your foot? Okay, let's do this. You're doing a one mile and a fi- one. You're doing a one mile and a five k over the weekend. You're gonna do both. What shoe are you choosing for each? Non super shoe. In my closet, reaching for it. It's going to be the. The Skechers GoMab Speed 5, actually. I've gone back to the 5 over the 6. The 6 causes a little bit of rubbing on my like upper heel, lower Achilles tendon. They have one of those padded ridges that runs along it for foot lockdown. And I found that that has started rubbing me. It didn't mm-hmm. initially. It does now. So the Skechers GoMab Speed. I choose the 5. The 6 is the better shoe. But the 5 works better for me. And I can take that 5K or a mile. Both distances. I've run a road mile on that, and I've run up to a four-mile tempo in it. 
Well, we have uh, our first match, Bracken, because the GoMeb is probably one of the fastest feeling shoes. And I would argue, like, deceivingly responsive for how short the stack height is, how short, like, it, like there's not much to it. It is light. What is it, a six-ounce shoe? It's under. Five-and-a-half-ounce shoe. Yet it just it still hugs the foot, even though it has a light upper mesh. I feel fast in it, and I feel like I can go and do even up to like a 10 mile. I could run a half marathon in that shoe if I had to, because somehow it works with my foot. And so that GoMeb Speed is just like, you recommended it to me. They were on sale a few years ago. I bought the GoMeb and the Razor. The Razor a little longer, a little squishier, but the GoMeb is like, it's a fantastic shoe. So that's one of my two, without question. I love that shoe. For the mile, I'm putting that shoe on 10 out of 10 times. Now, if it was a 5K, um, I really like two shoes. I really like the Saucony Endorphin Pros that you gifted me for Christmas. But I think I think I would stick with the Hoka Carbon X. Really? I just like that shoe a little more. A little more room for me in my forefoot. I like how it rolls for me. And I think between the two, I would pick my Hoka Carbon X. Um so you find that interesting? Yeah. I've just had some really good workouts in that shoe. and That's a shoe you have to trust. It does not feel fast. It feels heavy, stiff. You feel like, oh, I don't think I could actually run fast, but you just always run faster than you think you would. And the 5K, I wouldn't wear it for a mile. Yeah. So anyways, I'd go back and forth between the Saucony Endorphin Pro or the Hoka Carbon X, but gun to my head, I think I might pick the Carbon X. So my shoes are the Gomeb and uh, either the Endorphin Pro or the Hoka Carbon X. Hoka Carbon X just like when it hits the ground, it just it's so firm and it's just springy enough where like I feel like it does propel me forward without changing my gait. Um, even the Endorphin Pro a little bit pushes me forward. I feel like and that one changes my gait slightly. Slightly, exactly. Yeah. Um, Hoka Carbon X still stays true to my typical gait, so those that's what I go with. But if I had to just feel the fastest. All things aside, it'd be the Nike Alpha Fly. I've never worn it. The Vaporfly is a faster shoe, but the Alpha, I, any distance, I'm choosing that. If it's like gun to my family's head, that's what I'm lacing up. But other, I, I just still have never raced in it because it doesn't feel right to me. Hmm. And morally, you mean? I don't know. I, I can't even say morally because everyone's using them. It's just, I know I can't compare it to my old times. And so as a runner who doesn't make my living off of road racing, I kind of feel like, What's more important to me, running a time that doesn't compare or running something that I know exactly how it compares? So I'd rather just be able to compare my runs. That's fair. Let's go to the flip side of the coin now. Let's go to trail. Trail. Let's go smooth trail. Smooth trail. This is a new, I'm going to say two shoes. Because in the past, I would have chosen one thing and now I'm choosing something else. And we're talking 5K distance still, right? 5K or under? 5K or less on the trail but it's smooth i'm actually going i'm going to choose two one is that i'm actually going to choose a road flat i'll still choose that um, whatever your favorite road flat is for me i'll just stick with the go map speed on a smooth trail i'm still going to wear a road flat because you don't need traction well what's the surface if it's pea gravel there might be a conversation to be had but if it's like packed dirt then yeah packed dirt i'm going to take it. otherwise i would go with the either the innovate X-Talon 210 or the uh, Hoka Evo Jaws 
Those are the fastest feeling, super light trail shoes I know. They have way too much tread for what you need, but I never find that to be an issue. That doesn't get in my way. Those are the two fastest, lightest feeling trail shoes I know. But right now, gun to my head, if I had to own just one fast, short trail racer, it would be the Solomon Pulsar. A non-technical, non-sloppy trail Solomon Pulsar is like six point something ounces. Crazy light feeling. Really good foam. A really nice, meshy, airy upper. If I had to choose a trail shoe for without needing much grip, that's the one I would go to. Okay. Um, we're talking like maybe slight rollers, fire road type, access yep. road type train. So what's your so your one shoe, what is it? Oh, Solomon Pulsar. Okay. I've never put a Solomon on my foot and run in it. Do you know that? Ever. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I've run in many. And historically, they're dense and firm and stiff. And the Pulsar is the opposite. It is soft and springy and so light. Solomon always runs heavier than it looks. This one's the opposite. I put like two or three pairs on at a running store a few years ago after seeing like a Killian running in Solomon's and some other people who've done well on them. And I felt like I attached a brick to my foot with too high of a heel to toe drop. And I was like, what is with this shoe? I never ran in it. I put it on. and was like, nope, and never tried. But that was my impression of like three of the models, which aligns with what you're saying. I've had good experience in some of them. The S-Lab Pro series, the Sense Pro Ultra, Sense Pro, I liked that shoe, but it wasn't a... It wasn't my best option, so I never, I had, I haven't had a, a Sense Pro since probably the 5, and I think they're on 8 now, so that tells you I haven't gone back in 3 years, because there are better options out there, but the Pulsar is the real deal. Okay, yeah, well I believe you. But they're $180, so you're talking super shoe price range for that. Yeah. So if I, if, if price was a little bit more of a, an issue, then I would just go with my road flats or innovate x talent okay yeah that innovate x talent's pretty flimsy you like that feel for fast i'm talking fast five care less on the trail yeah okay um if this is decent traction i think i strap that go meb to my foot and i just let her rip because it has just enough traction there's those like little grooves in the forefoot that i think is yep. going to give you enough where i think you could get away with the go meb if it's if it's anything that isn't going to move from under your foot I still think I pick that shoe, and I pick that over the Hoka Carbon X. But if I had to go more um, more traditional trail, um, I'm going Evo Jaws. Or I've never worn this shoe, but just knowing how much I'm, I'm a Hoka fan, I would throw on their uh, cross-country uh, flat. Oh, and assume, I can't believe I didn't think of that. And it, I assume it's going to fit like the Jaws, except it's just going to be a little less aggressive, so it's going to be a smoother ride. And I would stick that cross-country flat on, and I'm going to order one because I'm too curious. I forget. What's the name of their cross-country flat? The Evo Cross, I believe. The Evo Cross, which same technology as the Evo Jaws. Uh, I know Chris Brown runs in them. He races them in slow and loves them. I've seen them on other people's feet. I this have is them. A bl- you do. And this is a blind recommendation, so I guess you could speak more knowledgeably. But if I imagine if you took the Jaws and you just put a little less aggressive lugs on it. Oh, sorry. Evo XC, not Evo Cross. The Evo XC would be the perfect balance for a clean terrain rolling or flat 5K. So I'm going to change my, my pick, actually. I forgot I had that shoe. Okay. Well, I was guessing, but I... Hoka Evo XC. It's a, it seems like a great shoe. That would be... I'll, I'll just take out the 
the speeds, the go maps. I'll just leave those for the road. It's either going to be the Hoka Evo XC or the Solomon Pulsar. Okay. And can you testament to testify that the Hoka Evo XC is feels a lot like the Jaws, just a little less aggressive? It's like the Jaws had a baby with a tracker cross-country spike. Love it. That sounds like a... Where it feels as light as the typical cross-country rubber-bottomed racer, but it has just that Hoka foam. It's more cushion, but it's light. Usually cross-country rubber-bottom spikes are dense. You think of Asics or... Uh, Nike, not as much, but some of those others, they have that denser rubber. This doesn't have that. It has the Hoka airy foam. So it gives you a few more millimeters of foam in there, but it runs just as light as a normal. It's like the waffle, the Nike waffle XC had a baby with the the Evo jaws. Okay. So it's like, it's like five ounces, but it has enough lugs and it's, and it feels so light on foot. So that, that would be it. For perspective, like with the Hoka Evo jaws or the XC, for anybody who's worn Hoka's, like the Speed Goat, which would probably be their most popular trail shoe, is roughly 10 ounces. And this is half of that. These shoes are about half the weight. So they feel really racy, yet give you just the, give you a lot out of that five ounces. So The Evo Jaws and the XE do not feel like a Hoka. The Evo Jaws feel like a road racing flat with lugs on the bottom. Yep. So that's, that's where my head goes. I'm glad I, I had enough intel to change the shoe guru's mind there. Thank you. Doing the Lord's work over there, Kirk. Thank you. And then let's move to sloppy, technical, and or mountain terrain. Do we want to do want to go separate, or what do we want to do there? We just talk about them at the same time, probably. Okay. Five k or less, technical or sloppy. I think there's only two shoes on my mind. Go. Ah, uh, three. It's a three-way tie. If it's just sloppy, I'm probably going to stick with the hoka evo jaws if it's just technical i'm probably going to go with the innovate x talon 210s and if it's a mix of both the third player that comes in is the vj irock 3 and and that one could be used for either or but those three those are the three shoes that in my mind on this planet you won't find better grip lightweight water shedding and stability than those three shoes the innovate x talon 210 and i think technically it's cross talon 210 but i think even innovate has given up on trying to make people say cross instead of x okay so innovate x talon 210 is their lightest gnarliest model the hoka evil jaws is their lightest gnarliest model and the irock 3 from vj is their lightest gnarliest model the innovate and the hoka are very fragile if you could only have a shoe for one race i would choose one of those two but if i could only own one shoe for 5k or less sloppy technical it might just be the irock because the grip is a little better and the durability is a thousand times better mm-hmm. yep the vj's last it's the least pleasant feeling shoe on my foot in terms of how when you put your foot into it, it doesn't feel like it was molded around my foot. It feels like I have to mold my foot into that shoe. But once I get it on and get it warmed up and I start racing, I don't notice the fit at all. Mm-hmm. If it's just sliding my foot into it, the Hoka and the Innovate feel, feel beautiful. But the VJ, once it's on, performs. Got it. So one shoe. This is So are we discounting mountain races here? Uh, like a true... Not anything. Anything 5K or less technical 
and sloppy. Okay. Uh, Which one are you picking? You got one. This weekend, ride or die, it's just one race this weekend. One race, and it's sloppy. I'm going Evo Jaws. And technical, I'm taking the IROC. Okay. I'm leaving the Innovate off. Even though it might be my all-time favorite lightweight racer, it is extremely flexible. And sometimes you get a little bit of, like, toes moving in different directions in that shoe because the bottom will mold around a rock. Mm. And the VJ is less... It's plenty flexible, but it doesn't have, like, individual flex points on it i feel where it's going to go any direction you step around it's got a little bit more stiffness to it so technical vj sloppy i'm going to take the evo jaws okay i like those choices it's a good choices um for me i am going to put two on my list 5k or less and these are shorter races even if you're an obstacle course racer five you know we're talking under 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes at most. And if it's a traditional trail race, it might even be quicker. But uh, I'm going with the Evo Jaws and the VJ Spark. VJ Spark over the IROC. Yeah, over the IROC. I like the fit on the Spark significantly more than the IROC. And although the VJ Spark gives up lug depth, um, it's got the wider toe box. And it just it mm. actually holds my foot in the right way, tight around the arch, um, yet lets my toes splay just a little bit. Um, and it's pretty durable. I feel like I can go laterally with that shoe really well. I would say the Evo Jaws, I don't feel quite as confident in laterally, but I, I feel more confident in its ability to run fast when I can open up. And mm-hmm. so Evo Jaws and the uh, VJ um, Spark, those are the two. Okay. If we're going up and down, I would pick the Spark. And if we're going mostly flat, technical, and real muddy, I'll go the, I'll go the Evo Jaws. Those would be my those would be my two as of now. Okay. Um, Pre Spark, it would have been uh, a tougher conversation. I think I would have had to rack my brain a little bit harder about which shoe I would pick uh, as that secondary shoe. But um, yep, those would be the two. Okay, I do like the Spark, and I suppose on technical, without needing crazy lug depth, it would be a very good choice. Maybe a little more foot protection than the IROC. A little bit more. That is the shoe that you slide your foot into and think, oh, this is made for my foot. But I had a little bit of upper stretching as it got wet and I was descending. Yep, it does that. And and the IROC, once I lay it, because of its rubber and like Kevlar upper, once I lace it down and lock it into place, I'll do a stride or two, I'll relace it, and then I don't have to touch it again. Where in the Spark, I had to touch it twice throughout about a 60 or 70 minute hill session where the grass was wet going up because the upper stretched a little bit. Mm. I don't mind when my shoe does that. Okay. If it, if it gets a little open in that front area, like for me, I don't know why it doesn't bother me. If I got it tied tight enough around my ankle, like those upper few laces and it stays, then yeah. on any shoe I feel okay. It's what the old Innovates used to do, like the X-Talon 220 and stuff. Like they had the big open yeah. toe box. And once you went through water, they just felt sloppy up front. I don't feel like the Spark quite does that. It's a little more. No, not sloppy. Yeah, it's not sloppy. That's what I'm getting at. It might open up and stretch a little bit. If it was dry, I might take the Spark over the IROC. But if it was technical and wet, I'm, I'm still sticking IROC. Even though it's it's like if I had to run smooth and long, Spark over IROC every time. But if I'm chopping my steps ever, I'm taking the IROC. Because I, I still trust. I have more time with that lockdown of that shoe. I trust it. Yep. 
All right. All right, road, 10K through half marathon. Yep. Basically, we're going to do three segments, right? We're going to go 10K through half and then half and beyond, basically, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, marathon and above. Or, yeah, marathon and above. So 10K through half marathon here on the road. All right, here's where I start to make some concessions to super shoes. <laughs> because, A, I don't care about my personal PRs, 10K to half marathon, because I don't have any. I've never signed up for a half marathon or a 10K on the road by myself. I've only run it with other people. Um, but 10K to half marathon, actually, you know what, for this, let's, I'm going to save the super shoe. It, it'd be my same answer. The Nike, the Asics, those are my, I think they're the best super shoes. Uh, so that would be the obvious choice if like gun to your head. <laughs> but for just me running, this is where I would either choose the, if I had to go out right now and race a 10K or a half marathon, I would take either the Skechers Razor 3, and I, I would consider this not, a, it's called a super shoe, but I don't feel it's the same as the others. I'd take the Saucony Endorphin Pro. I know I'm splitting hairs. It is considered a super shoe. It's a $200 shoe. It's got their super foam. It's got a carbon fiber plate, but it doesn't feel like it makes me faster. I feel like it allows me to hold my stride longer and not get you know, beat up by the race. Whereas the Nikes and the Asics feel like they launch me forward. So I'm kind of cheating, but either the Skecher Razors 3 for no plate, or if I'm using a plate, it'd be the Saucony Endorphin Pro. And there's really nothing else in the mix for me right now, because everything else is either super shoe or it's like racing flat. And I can't take a racing flat half marathon. And I like the Razors. They just feel a little squishy for me. Yeah. Which I guess would be good for a long distance, depending. It's love it or, or not. I love it. No, I, I wear it all the time. I mean, for racing. I have never worn it in a race. I think I felt like the Gomeb is so responsive, and then the Razor feels like a step down from that. And it is, because it's more shoe. But If I had the Gomeb on and then put the Razor on, I, I couldn't race. <laughs> It'd feel weird, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm getting rid of the, uh, the Gomeb, and I am going to say the Saucony Endorphin Pro. Or my Hoka Carbon X. Like, I'm not veering, except I'm making sure I have a carbon plate in there. Because now we're getting far enough where I think that is that return on energy and, like, stride maintenance like you talk about. Like, it helps. Sure, you're going to have a lot of damage after the race, most likely, because of that firm carbon plate. Especially in the lower calves and things like that. Like, the lower leg. But um, it's race day, baby. It's ride or die. And so, if it was a 10K, I'd have a hard decision between the Carbon X and the Saucony Endorphin Pro. If it was a half marathon, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even blink and say Saucony Endorphin Pro for that distance. Yeah. Yep, that's where I'm at too. Okay. Now, we're not talking super shoes much, but that's because super shoes are, I think, the most subjective shoe out there. Because every brand has a different feeling foam. And some people want a firm foam, like the Saucony or the Hoka Carbon X, that's just going to like feel like you're just... You hit the ground and you're immediately transferred right back up. And others, like myself, want a squishy, bouncy foam. And the shape of the carbon plate really matters with people's feet. There are some, like Hoka, my toes and feet start to go numb in the Carbon X after a while. And sometimes with the Endorphin Pro. And some people get foot discomfort with the carbon plate. And they all have a different shape, a different curve to it, a different width. You have Adidas that has the energy rods instead of one plate. Some of them have more of a fork shape to it. Some have a spoon shape to it. So it's, it's very subjective. And the only way to know which, which super shoe works for you is to put them on your feet. 
Mm-hmm. So it's one of those where let's say that science says this one gives you the most energy return and is the most efficient. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work for your stride. Some people respond to the alpha, the alpha fly and some respond to the vapor fly. The vapor fly has been shown to be faster. The alpha fly has been shown to be more efficient, but it doesn't matter. I'm faster in the alpha fly because it works for my stride. So yep. I'm not even diving into these because there's so, every brand has an option and it really just comes down to which one works for your foot. The best one out there might be crap for you. You might get injured in it. It might hurt your Achilles or it just might not work for your stride. The way your foot hits the ground and the way you're leaning has a direct impact on how the carbon fiber plate works for you. And so mm-hmm. just even how upright you are will change which shoe works for you. So that's why I just don't want to give recommendations. You got to try it out yourself. Yeah. And because they're so expensive, I don't want you buying one of those shoes based off of me anyways, because if it doesn't work, that sucks. That's why you order everything through Running Warehouse and they send you the free return shipping label and you give her one run on clean terrain so the shoe still looks new if you don't like it, you send it back. Running sure. warehouses, I won't order from anywhere else. Um, I will say, like, something interesting about the Endorphin Pro. Now, I probably run in it only, like, uh, six or eight times now. Um, and, and again, it's just a model I got after the new year. But the first time I put it on, I was going to go do, like, a fartlek-style workout. I don't know. It was a ladder, maybe, like, five, four, three, two, one times 2. And I was doing my warm-up in them. And I was like, wow, this shoe just feels like I could already knew in the first 100 meters. I was like, I like this shoe. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably running like 6.45 pace effort or so. Like I just put heart rate, you know, getting going, waking my body up. And I looked down and my first mile was 6.31. And I was like, this is not a, this is not a 6.31 effort. Like I know this is a 6.40, 6.45 effort uh, based on how I feel and my metrics. And yet I was like 10 seconds faster on that mile with maybe it was new shoe, you know, butterflies. But I'm 95% sure that in a different shoe, I would have been 10 seconds slower, even on my warm up run. And so I was like, there is something to this. And then I got into the workout and it held up, it felt firm, my feet felt good. Um, and so then I was already sold after run one. And then I confirmed it on run two, three, and four. I, I felt the same every time. So that's what I noticed with that carbon plate and the way that rocks for me. And, and yeah. that's what a super shoe kind of does for you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So now we move to smooth trails. We're talking fire road, maybe hard pressed gravel. 10K to half marathon, what are you choosing? Um, I don't know if I'm changing my options very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, there's a chance I change a little bit. If we're going up as far as a half marathon and there's a chance there's some looseness going on in there, um, I this is where I'm going to pick the Hoka's and all. Okay. Like a brand new pair. The foam is not condensed on me yet. If it's a half marathon, I think I might pick the Zanal. Or I might even go to the old Evo Speed Goat because I just prefer more shoe. Yeah. But otherwise, I stick to the same ones I just mentioned for the road, depending on how packed that terrain is. What about you? I like that. For the smooth hard pack, if I can get away with a road flat, this is when I'm going to do it. Because road flat cushioning, road racing shoe cushioning is just typically better trail shoes are just oftentimes firm and so i would try to get away with that but solomon pulsar i'm going back to that all right solomon pulsar is it's almost like a road flat but it has enough stability and traction for the trail and they have a soft ground version which four and a half mil lugs i haven't run in this one yet because it's not out but it's the same shoe with a little bit more reinforcement on the upper and four and a half mil lugs rather than i think two and a half or three mil lugs so that in my experience, only adds to the cushion. So I might even choose the soft ground version for a 
a 10K or half marathon. But if I'm not going with that one, this is the first time I would maybe lean towards the Scott Super Track RC. It's just a shoe that's worked well for me. Uh, maybe not on this tame. If it's this tame, I might even still go with the Evo Jaws. Hmm. For 10K at a half marathon on a trail, I can get away with a little less shoe. So that's I'm going either the Solomon Pulsar or the Evo Jaws. Listen, the Scott Super Trek RC is going to steal the show here coming up for me, so I'm going to stay away from it for now. Okay. And the reason I like the Zanal is the Hoka Zanal is because it has pretty shallow lugs. I've ran on it on the roads more than I have on trail because it's so smooth. You you don't notice any transition difference. You can run in it on the roads. Um, okay. And it's labeled as a short trail racing shoe. Like that's what it's labeled as. And it's just, I know you've never put that shoe on your foot, but it's it's like the Hoka Eva Speed Goat and the Hoka, um, dang it, the Torrent had a baby and then they lightened it just a little bit. And so it's just like, it's like that, that smooth transition. You run on really hard packed trails that might as well be roads. The Zanal is going to have your back. And if it gets a little grit, you need some grip, it's going to fit that too. And so I just, I just like that shoe for, for that type. But again, problem is after hundred, 150 miles, that foam condenses and it doesn't feel like the same shoe anymore. So I would use, I would need like a newer pair of Zanals. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. 10 K I'm going with the Pulsar. Half marathon, I think I'm going to go up to that new Hoka Tectonics. Even though you haven't worn it yet? Yep, sight unseen. It, looking at the dimensions, looking at the specs, it looks a lot like the Nepali ATR and the Challenger ATR. Hmm. That shoe has always worked for me. That's a shoe I would have wore for a half marathon on the trails in the past, but it's lighter, it has a little bit better grip, and it's got the dual plates in it. I think sight unseen I would run in that because Hoka has given me enough that I now realize I can run in most of the shoes in their line. Yeah. So 10K, Pulsar, half marathon, Tectonix. Taking it sight unseen, which I rarely do, but that's what I'm going to do. I like it. Let's get to the slop. Sloppy, technical. Uh, this one's actually kind of easy for me. Me too. If it's technical, 10K to half marathon, I'm choosing the Scott Supertrack RC2. I just trust that shoe. It has, we were talking about this earlier before we got on the mic here. It has probably the best midfoot and forefoot and heel combined of any shoe I've run in for the trails. Where my heel and my midfoot are so locked down. And my forefoot has just enough room that my toes are not cramped. And you usually don't get both. If your toes are free, your foot slides. And if your toes are cramped, your foot's locked down. This one has both. The upper lockdown combined with how sticky the insole is, the shoe is just one I can trust and it doesn't change over time. I've raced up to three and a half hours in this shoe, but for 10K to half marathon on Rocky Technical, it's the only one that I trust implicitly. And it has enough grip that it can handle whatever comes its way outside of like pure slop. And it covers, you got a flattish technical muddy, great. You got a mountain Technical, great. It like covers both bases equally as well. It can run flat as well as it can descend in my book. Maybe mm-hmm. descend even better. It descends, I think, even better, yeah. But it's light enough on your foot that it doesn't feel heavy going uphill either. So I, I think without a doubt, technical 10K to half marathon, that's my shoe. I like it. Um, 
I'm going to second that, the Scott Supertrack RC. I don't care if you get the RC or the RC2. I mean, I just got the RC2s, and they're fantastic. The RC worked, the original like, version worked great for my foot. Um, I go Scott Supertrack RC or the VJ Extreme in this okay. case. Um, I really like both shoes. I think the Extreme, if I know it's going to be real sloppy at times on some of this stuff, and there's still a combination of vert and such. Like if you give me like a Palmerton course or like an East Coast Mountain course, um, the extreme is just like it just works. When I have to go up and down and trust that there might be some slop and technicality, um, the extreme just works for my foot too. I like how it it fits. So, um, but the Scott is like the extreme, except it's like a more comfortable ride, but it's yeah. slightly less aggressive. So it would be splitting hairs. If I had to race one tomorrow, I would pick the Scott Supertrack RC2. But if we got a dump of rain the day before, I would audible and pick the Extreme, the VJ Extreme. But it's going to be one of those two shoes without question. Now I'm hoping to get my hands on the Extreme 2 because the Extreme 1 just never quite worked for me. The midsole was just a little too dense and kind of stiff feeling for the cushion that it didn't provide. I have this weird thing with my stride where if I feel like a shoe has amount of weight to it, I run in it like a shoe. But if it doesn't have much weight in it, I run in it like a flat. Like I use a daintier, more midfoot stride and the extreme almost is too heavy for what it provides. And I find myself trying to run in it like a normal shoe instead of running it like I would in the IROC where I know this is a fast, nimble shoe. And then I run a little bit differently. And I know that's on me, not on the shoe, but I tend to roll my ankle in the extreme and I don't in the IROC. And I think it's because I trust like the actual shoe itself too much and I land a little further back on my foot. Mm. That makes sense. So because of that, it just, I, I don't choose that one, but the two, I'm excited to race it. Yeah. I'd like to get that shoe on my foot as well. Um, so Saturday you have a race, you're going with the Scott Supertrack RC, no, no questions asked. 10K to half marathon technical. Yes. It's the one I'm putting on my foot, unless I know it's extra sloppy at times, yep. then I'm, I'm going to change course. So if it is extra sloppy, I'm actually going right back to either the VJ IROC 3 or the Hoka Evo Jaws. Even up to half marathon? Yeah, because if it's sloppy, if it's technical and sloppy, I can take a lighter shoe farther. And that's what I'm finding out in this block where I'm trying to get ready for Seven Sisters in Ireland which is going to be seven to eight hours of technical and slop, that if I'm breaking my stride, if I'm chopping my feet, if I'm going on sloppy and technical, I can get away with almost no shoe for a couple of hours. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it for seven or eight, but I could take the, the IROC 3 for two hours, no problem, if it's soft. Okay. And I actually choose that over the extreme because it's just... Something about the added lug depth feels like it has just as much cushion as the extreme, but it's nimbler. And so I, I take that. I like the IROC. I just feel like it's got a little bit too much stack height with those lugs for its width. So I'll feel unstable in that at times. And I have the exact opposite. That's how I feel about the extreme. And that just shows the, and I think the extreme is lower stack height and feels more stable. So like, That's it just funny. goes to show personal preference. Like obviously the subjectivity of what we're talking about. And the Hoka Evo Jaws, I trust just as much. The only thing I don't trust about it is the upper is so thin and light that I feel there's no foot protection. Mm -hmm. Like if something wants to stab you, it's going to. And maybe I'm just a little gun shy because of my toes right now. But yeah. I think I would choose 
the IROC 3. All right. There we have it. Which is funny because I just talked that there's a better option than VJ in every shoe, every distance I would choose. And what I didn't clarify on that is that it's for smooth. Yep. Or technical. When it comes down to really nasty, I still don't have a better option than VJ because I don't know if there is one. Yep, I agree. I agree. So I'm not choosing them yet for a tame trail and maybe not super tech of like rocky runnable but if it's sloppy and nasty i still don't have anything else the kevlar combined with that butyl rubber is a really tough combination to break mm-hmm. yeah i always feel safe in those shoes secure yeah let's move um let's move to marathon and up marathon ultra and beyond let's do it this is where everything changes for me me too I wouldn't run a marathon in a non-super shoe anymore. Not even as much that I care about my time as I care about what it's doing to my body. I would just feel so much less beat up after that. And so in a marathon, if I'm racing and I do care about my time, I'm wearing the Nike Alpha Fly and I'm not even questioning it. It's just that good. But if I just am running it, it'd be nice to run fast, but I also don't want to get beat up. I am going to use the New Balance RC Elite 2. Just, it's my favorite foam I've ever run in is that fuel cell. Okay, it's, And it replaces Skechers Hyperburst. It, I like it more than ZoomX. It's just my, it's, it's like a foam that's made for me. I love how squishy and responsive it is, but it doesn't bottom out. Love it. I've never run in that. I've never run in any of the Nike super shoes. I've never even put them on my foot. So I'll leave that up to, to you, I guess. Um, there's a big difference for me between like a marathon and then like if you're going to do a 50 miler even, I feel like there's a difference there. Yeah. Um, I guess because we're talking to infinity, right? So who knows? And I wouldn't choose a different. I'd wear that same thing all the way through to 50K, 50 mile. You would? Okay. Yeah. See, I would put on my endorphin pros at this point. If I'm running a marathon, that would be easy oh, choice. Can't. You can't? No, my calves and Achilles, it's too stiff for me. It's too firm. I need softer. But again, it's yeah. funny. Different feet, different reaction. Yeah, I can make it up to a marathon, but I, that would be my hard, hard stop on that. Okay. And then if we're talking further than a marathon, you're talking, you're going to think this is silly, right? And and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I'm going to say non-super shoe on this. But at this point, I toss weight out the window. I toss everything out the window. I toss then comfort. It's like comfort's going to matter. Like if I'm wearing a shoe that's an ounce or two heavier than a racing flat at this point, like I don't care. I just want to feel good. And this is going to, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be like, are you kidding me? I'm just going with the Hoka Clifton and I'm strapping that thing on and I'm running. If it's 50 miles, I know I, my foot's going to work in that shoe. It has just enough response, like just enough where I have run fast in it and it's going to save my legs. So, um, marathon hard stop with the Saucony endorphin pro anywhere from half marathon to marathon. I still feel comfortable with that. And then anything over, I think I'm just strapping on a pair of training shoes and I'm going, and that's my favorite uh, favorite cushion training shoe. And you know, I said I wouldn't change shoes even up to 50K or 50 mile, but that's that might not be correct because I don't know what happens after that amount of time in a super shoe because I haven't done that. Once you get past a few hours, all that matters is that your body stays healthy and comfortable. So no, I, I don't discredit that at all. I might go with the Adidas Primax. It's a... Uh, it's a shoe that's not legal to race in because the stack height's so massive, but it's just the biggest, most cushioned shoe you available on the market. If I was doing a 50 or 100 miler on the road, 
I might just take something like that or the New Balance 1080 or, yeah, the Hoka. I might even take a Hoka trail shoe. I might take the Speed Goat or something like that. I would I would take the Speed Goat too. I would, that would work for me. Just huge cushioning. Who cares if I lose some speed? I, I've done long runs on the road in the Speed Goat before and in the, the Challenger. The little little lugs that that has, it doesn't do anything but add more yep. between you and the ground cushioning for the pushing in. <laughs> yeah so that's that's mine so good choice uh yeah that's uh that's it because really you're getting into like i run my recovery runs in my cliftons and once in a while if i want to do a fart lick long run and i'm like i don't know if i want the pounding of my super sh- like a, a firmer shoe like a carbon x or a endorphin yep. pro i put my cliftons on and i all like still have good workouts in that shoe like when it's extended duration so yeah um yeah that's where i'm at can't go wrong with that trail marathon to ultra if it's smooth i'm taking my road shoe for the marathon okay dirt road even gravel i don't care whatever i lose in grip i'm going to make up for with true high-end cushioning and propulsion but if we cross over marathon and i would throw the tecton x in there that'd be fun to run a trail marathon if it needed grip i would probably go tecton x but once we cross over a marathon and we're going long there are only two options in my book for me personally. I'm going to stop you real quick. I think it's funny that we have we have so much faith in like what Hoka is doing with their carbon-plated trail shoe that we have never put it on yet, but we would choose to race in it, like the Tecton yeah. X, because they haven't disappointed me in the past, so I assume this is just going to be the same. But I just think it's a little funny that we're recommending a shoe that hasn't come out yet. Right. But they've proven themselves over the years, to me anyways, that this is going to be a, a good shoe. Yeah, and there's some other shoes coming out that I'm excited about that I haven't mentioned because there's no track record. But this is built on the platform of shoes that have worked for my feet. But I would probably take the road shoe. But then as soon as I cross over, I'm going 50K, 50 mile. For me, there's only two options. It's either the Speed Goat or it's the Evo Mafate. Oh, all right. Evo Mafate making its way in the mix. Now, that's not available anymore, so I'll just say Mafate Speed. But probably Speed Goat because we're talking non-technical. Just give me the Speed Goat. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Now, I mean, from everything I'm reading, the Speed Goat 5 is like uh, closer to the Evo Speed Goat. So yeah. it might be the perfect hybrid of the Evo Speed Goat everybody loves. Give me the 3, the 4, the 5. I'm a happy man. Yeah. And is it the fastest? No. But I know it's going to work for my feet. I know I can take it 50K. I know I can take it 6 hours. That's all. I just don't want to have to worry. I'm not going to blister in it. I'm not going to get hot spots. I'm going to be able to run in that shoe all day. Yeah. I mean, if we didn't have to worry about non-discontinued shoes, I wouldn't even hesitate to say the Evo Speed Goat. Evo Speed Goat's going on my foot. There's some rough patches. It's going to handle it. If there's patches that feel like road, I'm going to run just as fast in it. Um, But here's where I'm going to probably leave my Clifton. I'm not going to, and I'm definitely not going to use the Endorphin Pro on the trails. I just feel like now we're talking a little uncertainty. Do you know the guy who won Leadville wore the Endorphin Pro this year? Come on. He said he'd been training in it. He decided to roll with it. And then he, I think he had backups for like the first checkpoint and it was working. He ended up wearing them the whole time. The whole hundred miles. Yep. Um, I can't imagine running up and down hill in that. I've never tried. He said anything he lost on some technical sections, he made more than made up for on the flats. That's wild to me. Isn't that wild? That is wild. So if we're talking non-discontinued shoes, then I am, uh, I'm still putting a fresh pair of, uh, I think if it's for a one-off marathon, I would put a fresh pair of Zanals on my, Hoka Zanals or the, um, 
if I was worried about damage, the speed goat, exactly. I'd throw on a pair of speed goats and, okay. and let her rip. That would be exactly it. I like that. But ho I'm picking Hoka either way there. I can't really fault that. If yeah. we go technical now, I'm not I'm not really changing any of it's it's either my Scott Super Track RC, my Hoka Speed Goat, or my Mafates. If I think it's a faster course and it's marathon distance, it's gonna be the Super Track RCs. And if it's ultra distance, it's still my speed goat or, or my mafates. Mm-hmm. I am uh, I'm ditching the super track RC for marathon distance or more. I only say that because I've done it. Oh yeah, didn't you run? Uh, you ran a fifty k in them, didn't you? Uh, no, but I I wore them in Dubai, and that was a three hour and twenty seven minute race. And with five k to go, we were going across a dried out creek bed. And it was just jagged rocks. And you were just like scuttling from rock to rock. And I thought, thank God I'm wearing these shoes. Because everything on me is breaking down except my feet. The feet still feel good. Mm. And that was enough for me. Technical, I can take this three hours and 27 minutes of hard running and I'm going to be fine. Okay. I wouldn't have chosen it before that experience. But I I just have this vivid memory of thinking, well, at least my feet are okay. Yeah, I, I, I just find a little like, God, I think I can get to three hours in those shoes, but I'm going to assume like a trail, steep, sloppy, mucky is going to be over three hours. And I kind of cut it off at three for me just because I have dainty feet. And so then I'm sticking with my Hoka's and I'm I'm crossing my fingers that the Tecton X is the shoe I dream it to be. And I'm probably putting yeah. those on my feet. Otherwise, I am going to strap on a pair of my speed goats again. And it's going to be the same thing. I know some people struggle with the stack height on that on like sloppy you know, technical stuff. But for me, like the pounding it saves over duration is just like, I break down, like my cardiovascular system doesn't go on me pretty soon. It's just the damage from my lower body that catches up with me. And so for me, it's like, what shoe's going to prevent the most damage? And it's going to be the speed goat. If they had the Evo speed goat, I'd wear that to infinity. I'd wear that to a hundred mile or the Evo speed goat is the best endurance shoe I've ever worn on multitude of terrains, but it just doesn't exist anymore. So how do we recommend it? It's so funny because I have that shoe along with me and I've relegated it to only hiking out here because I just can't trust it on a rocky terrain. It is so unstable for me. That's wild. All I, I put it on and my ankles want to roll in that shoe. Not me. You can wear it on anything. Anything. It feels like it's pitched outwards to me. It is, and that's a bigger platform. And yet the regular Speed Goat, I trust with my life on technicality. I trust that one too. But the Evo Speed Goat, I trust not at all. I just can't do it. We got to get a Speed Goat 5 in our hands. Yeah, Speed Goat 5 is what we got to get. All right, sloppy. I think this is the hardest one to choose. Of any shoe, of any distance, of any race type, sloppy, marathon, and ultra marathon is the toughest to choose because... Over the course of hours and hours and hours, grip, it makes or breaks your day. If you're slipping for five hours versus being locked in for five hours, it's the difference between cramping and not cramping, bonking yep. and not bonking. But grip always comes at the cost of cushion. So it is very tricky. If it is truly nasty, I'm talking nasty to the point where it's soft, it's boggy, it's muddy. I will wear the X-Talon or the IROC or the Evo Jaws for a marathon or an ultra. I wore the X-Talon 190 for the Ultra Beast in Killington. Okay. That was seven hours and 40 minutes. And again, my feet were the only thing that didn't give out. 
because it's so technical and so sloppy that I didn't need the cushion. So sloppy is the hardest one to choose. So I'm going to have to not choose one. I'm either I'm going to have the Super Track RC on there. I'm going to have the IROC 3 on there. And like one shoe that has grip and cushion, I'm going to say the Mafate. It's really the only shoe with stack height and grip that I can think of. There's a few like, uh, who is it? Uh, Dinafit has the Feline. They have, uh, Scott has the, uh, the Ultra RC or the Super Track Ultra. But I haven't tested that, how tippy it is. But I'm either going to go really minimal with a huge grip or I'm going to take really maximal with some grip, which is the Mafate. Okay. I thought we were already on that. Are they separate? What we've been talking about? Like the technical? You're just talking sloppy in particular, just a mud fest. I'm talking pure slop. I'm, I'm, I'm talking minimal versus maximal, but sloppy marathon to ultra. If I knew it was sloppy as all get out, then I could run in the Super Track RC forever. Yeah. And then I would I would still have a pair of regular speed goats just because duration. Like I'll always err on the side of caution with more shoe versus less. And I choose the speed goats because I like how it fits my foot better than the Mafate. So I expected to hear extreme from you for a really sloppy marathon. It's just a little too little of a shoe for me for that distance. And I always err on the side of caution. And I feel like the Scott provides just a little more uh, return for me, a little more yeah, brace. Tell you what, if you had the Scott with the extreme bottom, if you made a Frankenstein shoe right there. There you go. Then that would be my ultra sloppy shoe. Yep. Well, yeah, I, that, this is the hardest one to choose because you're, you're trading off somewhere. If you take VJ, you're trading off with cushion. If you take Hoka, you're trading off with stability and grip. Yep. There is going to be a trade-off here. So you either have to train yourself to be stable in a max shoe and to be able to control your slides, or you have to train yourself to handle your minimal grippy shoe for hours and hours and hours on feet. Yep. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up, and I want you to pick, because I'm looking at the clock here. I have one more category. Oh, shoot. What is it? Hybrid racing. We can be quick. Okay. I think the three best shoes are either the Razor, the Adidas Takumi Sen 8, or the, I would say the Adios Pro. I'm sorry, not not the Adios Pro, the Endorphin Pro. Those are my three across the spectrum. Non-super shoe, semi-super shoe, super issue. List those again. The Skechers Razor 3. I can wear those stadium. I can wear them high rocks. I can wear them deca. If I'm going to go a light super shoe, I think the Adidas Takumi Sen 8 are the perfect meeting ground. And then if I actually want a, a bigger stack shoe, uh, the Endorphin Pro is the least tippy of all the super shoes. Mm. I'd go Carbon X. I've never done one, a hybrid race, by the way. Okay. But I like it has less stack height, so I'd feel comfortable around the turns and like the Socket Endorphin Pro is pretty high up there, I feel like. Yeah. So. I wore it for a stadium. I was surprised. That it, it handled well. It did. Not great. And then this is going to sound like a super weird shoe, but I would put this in my list and is the VJ Max. Because I don't know what that, that push and sled terrain is like. And I can run well on roads and flat terrain in the VJ Max. I know it's heavier, but we're not running that fast. We're running like half marathon pace and i don't know what the grip situation would be so i would take the the max because i know it works for me and i've run fast in that shoe and i know it's going to give me some dig in power on the sleds and i've seen other people wear them and and i approve of that weird and odd decision so 
I've seen it too. I wore them for Fenway one year when there was water and ice on course. Okay. For a stadium race, because I just wanted grip. And how they work? Just fine. Okay. Just fine. There'd be like the the perfect race scenario in which I'd pick the max, which it doesn't make sense for. It could be like a 5K in slick conditions with lots of turns, and I don't know what the grip's going to be like. I'd be like, VJ Max, which some people would pick for like a marathon on the trails, but for me, it would be a shorter distance. Yeah. I need to have some good grip, yeah. So are you going to ask if I could only own one road shoe, one trail shoe, and one tactical shoe? Uh, No. You're only getting one road shoe and one trail shoe, and it has to cover everything from the whole gamut. You get one shoe. I'm not going to be able to do that, Kirk, but I'm going to try. You have to. You have to. I already know mine. I have two easy answers. First of all, I'm going to do super shoe and non-super shoe. Oh, fine. If it's going to be a super shoe, I'm going to split the middle and go Saucony Endorphin Pro because it's runnable enough that I can do slow paces in it, and I can run fast in it. And it's not so crazy that it's like a weird shoe to own. It's stable. Otherwise, I'm going to take the Skechers Razor 3. It's the one shoe that I can do it all in. I would race a mile in it, and I could do a long run. I'd be a little beat up after a long run, but I could do everyday training in it, but I can also run fast. I can run stadiums in it. I can do DECA in it. So you could do a marathon in it if you had to? I would have to be in great shape for it. It would beat me to death. But once, I've never run a marathon on I'm the road. I'm saying 5K to marathon. Let's just keep that wheelhouse. How about 5K to 50K? You know, one one road shoe, one trail shoe. Like, no matter the terrain, no right. matter the... New Balance RC Elite 2 is my one shoe then for the road. Because I could still run easy in it, but I could race long in it. New Balance RC Elite 2. Well, this is just racing. You can train in whatever you want, I guess, but yeah. Still. 5K to 50K, New Balance RC Elite I've never run in that shoe, but now you're making me curious. I just love Fuel Cell. And they widened it a little bit. They gave it more stack height. It's just, it's the best of everything to me personally. Okay. Trail, this is even harder for me because I want to take three. I want to have the Speed Goat. I want to have the IROC 3 and I want to have the Super Track RC2. That covers everything for me. And they're so different that those are my three. They are. But to me, the only way to split the difference is to take the one in the middle. The Scott Super Track RC2. I could force myself up to an Ultra and I could force myself down to a 5k and it would cover everything in between but i don't want to i want the speed goat and i want the iraq 3 as well you have to those are the rules i made then the scott super track rc2 is the one shoe i can take everywhere i like your answers a lot i if i had to have two and it's it i had one road shoe no matter the distance and one trail shoe no matter the distance or terrain i'm gonna go saucony endorphin pro from 5k up to marathon or 50k and i'm gonna go scott super track rc for i think the scott super track rc is the most versatile whether it's flat super steep sloppy super firm i just feel like it's your it's gonna be there for you no matter what you're not gonna finish and bitch about your shoes in that situation i don't see a scenario in which it really costs you unless it's super 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 sloppy but then any shoe is gonna fail at some point so yeah the only place it's gonna cost you is super sloppy or super long if you need more cushion Yep. Now, I've run a nine-mile sloppy trail race in it. I've run a nine-mile dry, semi-technical trail race in it. I've run a 5K smooth trail in it. I have run a uh, three-hour and 27-minute Spartan race in Dubai, which was partly sand, but mostly rocky, super technical mountain, and then fire road access. I have run training runs. I've done threshold work. 
I've done every run you can do in that. So I, I trust it. The, there's only one downside to that shoe, outside of maybe sloppy grip, and that is the fact that it is disposable. The foam compresses within 50 to 100 miles, and it's not the same shoe anymore. That's the only reason I don't recommend that constantly is because it just isn't durable. If you had a never-ending supply, you'd never have to own anything else in your life. But for 130, 140, 150 bucks, it's hard to justify getting less than 100 miles out of the shoe. Right. Right. On the other side of the coin, I feel like like my VJ Extremes, for example, like it's not the greatest ride out of the box. It's a good ride. Don't get me wrong. I'd pick it in certain instances. But like time after time, I feel like it's the same ride. It doesn't compress. Whereas, yeah. so there's like a very big bright side to a lot of the VJ components where if it's like you get one shoe and you have to get, only get a new pair every five years, I'd be like, ah, okay, that changes things. But that's not what we're talking And you know about. what I would choose? Hmm. The Max. Choose the Max. See, isn't that interesting? If, and I haven't mentioned them one time this whole episode, but if I could only own one shoe for five years, it'd be the VJ Max. Yeah, those things are bulletproof. If, now I think there's a shoe hiding in VJ's range that's the best shoe I've ever run in that could supersede just sloppier OCR. And I think it is the Max and the Ultra and the Extreme combined. If you take the foam from the Ultra's midsole, you take the grip from the Extreme, and you put it on the platform and upper of the Max, and you give it a good tongue, like maybe the tongue of the IROC or the new Extreme 2, I think that right there is the best all-around trail shoe that I've ever seen. It just exists between those three shoes right now. I would take the upper of the Max, everything on the bottom, like the uh, sole of the uh, Spark, and then the lugs of the Extreme. Sign me up. And then give me a rock plate. Throw a rock plate in the middle. Okay. That's what I would do. I would take, I like, because that cushioning of the VJ Ultra, which I think the shoe is a miss, but the, the foam of that is the foam they need to put into the next Max. Agree. And then you've got, then I've got my one shoe to rule them all. But as of yet, that shoe does not exist in this world. <laughs> it does not. Um, all right. We've gone long enough, I think. Anything you want to wrap this up with? I'm looking at the clock here. <laughs> that between now and June, there's about 15 new exciting shoes coming out that might totally shake up this entire list. I have to do another episode in the fall, I guess. We'll do a fall version. Uh-huh. I'm going to have an order of the Speed Goat 5s, the Tecton X. Probably the VJ Extreme 2s. Saucony Endorphin Edge, which is mm. the Endorphin Pro for the trail. A stripped-down super shoe racer with oh lugs of the Peregrine. Oh, my goodness. The, the Pulsar Pro and Trail are coming out, which is just maybe the competitor to the RC2 from Scott. All right. So there's a lot coming out. Kirk, I'm going to be home in two days. Good. And then life can resume. My audio quality will be back. I'll be running with my toes healed. I'll have my watch back. I'll be a full man again. I say you still go let her rip on those hills the last day out there and toe or no toe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to back this evening when the heat dies down. I'm going to go get 90 minutes. Then tomorrow morning I'm going to try to get two hours. All right. Well, wrap it up. Make sure you come back tired, beat up regardless. Last shoe thing. Guess what shoe I've been doing 90% of my mileage in? Mm, something minimal. Reebok All-Terrain yeah, Super. Yeah, the Reeboks. Man, do I love that shoe. <laughs> that didn't even make your list. No, because the the grip, the rubber is so bad. If it touches anything wet, you're just ice skating. That's not good. But on this kind of terrain, 
that shoe is just made for my foot curve. <laughs> well, wear that shit in, brother. <laughs> no one else likes it, but I love it. All right, that's all. See, and there's the discrepancy in this whole conversation. You might be the only person on the planet that shoe works as well for. That might be my one size shoe fits all shoe if they just had a different bottom. <laughs> all uh, right, well, till next time, Bracken. Till next time. Bye. Bye.